You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 34. Episode 34, and you know, for once I've actually been doing some playing lately. So, Daz, we, you, I think you, you were the one who told me about it, Tyler, that uh, $300 free time at Johnny Chan's 88. Exactly. And like you said, for players like me and you who are going to use the time, that's just free money. It is really free money. I can't, and I tell you what, when I, I went there to collect on it, and it was packed that day. A lot of people saw it as the same way, just free money. It was a gigantic, probably the biggest promotion I've ever seen done by a poker room. So I went on that Friday, and, you know, there was no, like, uh, some players were like, it seemed like they were nervous if there was going to be a hassle or anything. They just came around and gave the time. I mean, it was no problem whatsoever. Uh, not the best of sessions. I did I did have one hand that kind of defined the session. I have, uh, it's straddle pot. I think the, like, $6 at the one three three table. Comes around to me. I bump it up to... 30 with ace king uh i think one or two caller uh, i think just one caller and then it goes to the straddle guy who just jams it all in uh his all in is like a short all in it's like 125 comes around to me i'm like well ahead of a short of a short stack straddler's range like right? you said that literally could just be anything i mean it could just be two face cards at this point really yeah i mean because uh, for him you gotta think it's a pretty good squeeze spot you open, call, call, or call. I mean, oh yeah, it's a great spot for him. So yeah, I was like, this could be, it would be a small pocket pairs. It could be like ace queen, ace jack. I immediately know I'm gonna call, but then I was like, well, there's that guy to my left. I go ahead and push in all in over the top. Uh, he looks very pained and eventually folds. I show over, flip over ace king. I'm fairly confident, and then I see pocket aces over there. So that was kind of how that session went i was ended up down like 190 dollars, but that's fine i mean not you know you're gonna run into ace king into aces and that's fine and i was glad to get the 300 dollars in free time absolutely uh let me see after that i went and played at my kind of i would say my home club usually is a uh, texas avenue over in college station i have been coming on a decent uh I kind of a little bit off this downswing. I'm starting to get on a little bit of an upswing. I play pretty well, and it's going through the night, and I've got a little bit of profit, and I get kind of in a weird, weird spot, which is kind of like a psychological spot for me a lot. It's a we're playing Omaha high low. Right, which which we always say is always just so high variance. Just, man, I mean, I definitely know that anxiety of the high-low hand at the end of the night, but go oh, ahead. Oh, yeah. So, it, it makes it 30, and I've got probably like 150 in profit. Mm, no, it's a, like 120. And it makes it 40, or I think it was 40, comes around, and I've got the rundown, king through nine. Nine, ten, jack, queen, king. So, this is super strong in high, 
in high low it's kind of it's very strong too because you know high you have the high low but a lot of times if you hit that high hand with that there is a no low so it's actually very strong uh i call another player jams all in for 80 which reopens the action the next player who originally raised now makes it 300 uh or i think his all i think he could actually jam it in for like 300 or something the next player to his left calls it comes back around to me and th like i say this is a very tough spot cuz it's a super strong hand but i know somebody down there has ace deuce for the nut low if it comes and I just decide I don't want to gamble and just want to take the money. Like, at that point, I could walk out, pay my time, and be up, like, 80 bucks. It was only a quick two-hour session. And I've just been getting in spots like this over and over again where I'm up, I'm up, and then I get into this spot, and it bricks out, and all of a sudden it's a losing session. So I end up making the fold. Uh, and... The uh, someone the one the guy who did jam had pocket aces with ace deuce. Uh, I would have won the majority of the pot with the high hand. I would have made the straight. The guy who made it eighty ended up with the nuts with ace queen. Uh, I would have had the second nut straight with no low out there. It's kind of a weird spot. I don't know it, but I mean that's very results oriented. I mean, the most results-oriented. I'll just say, since you would have won, you should have called. <laughs> so, I mean, but the psychological aspect, I, like, I don't mind the fold, but I'm not sure I should be folding because of that exact reason, of wanting to just protect the profit there. It's, it's so funny because my thought when I have profit is the exact opposite of you. I use it as just, like, ammo to build up a bigger stack. But, see, is that, like, coming because you have been on an upswing, like, in the last... I mean, that's what led to me getting felted over and over again when we first started playing. Because yeah. I'd get, like, 600 bucks, and I'm like, this could be it. $1,200. I'm all in. And then they just call, and I just lose. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I remember I would always just be like, now I have even more money. So... Oh, yeah. So, for me, like, I and, and I don't lock it down as much as I used to as, like, as far as profit does. <laughs> but, I mean, I will say it's it's in the back of my head. Clint's like, I used to show up with a rack and just play out of the rack. <laughs> I used to sit down, raise preflop, steal the blinds, get up. Four dollars and five minutes is pretty good, y'all. <laughs> uh, no, it's a... So, like I say, but it is a kind of a, a psychological thing of, and I'm not sure that's how it should be, but, um, so I, I ended up playing one more round and leaving. Kind of another note on that is, I think we kind of talked about this, though, like, when I was playing in that 5-5 game and all of a sudden I had, like, $5,000 in front of me and you get ace-king, I mean, there, you are kind of nervous, you know, to have that much money in front of you, though. I mean, yeah. like, normally I like using it as ammo, like, maybe $1,000 I'll use as ammo, but $5,000? <laughs> I mean, at some point, it's got to go home to the bank, right? I mean, there is a certain point. It's, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think everybody should have, but I mean, like, to a degree, I think everybody should have, like, a certain, I mean, otherwise, I mean, you just have no, 
no respect for money whatsoever, and I can't imagine that does, you know, great for your bankroll. Uh, yeah, not great. But, uh, like I say, uh, but that being said, like, I feel like the decision should be made based on the math and your ability to make the best decision. I'm not sure that the factor of, you know, protecting or, like, the protecting would be almost the exact, like, almost like winner's tilt to a degree, right? Yes, but I also, I used to, um, when I first started playing, I didn't have, win. it wasn't winnings, it was just any money. I just didn't want to lose, period, because I just wanted to keep playing. Right. And when I, and then when I made the adjustment to just trying to make the right decision and not letting money in, so if you know the right decision, but the money's influencing your decision to make the wrong decision because of the money, that's when it's time to go. Right. Right. But I mean, so that was for me when I made the, uh, when I told myself I was going to just try to make the best decisions possible when I first started playing and just whatever happens is just going to have to happen. Yeah. And that's when I really, I think started kind of more playing. Then I started studying and stuff, but yeah, that sounds, I mean, like I say, making like, like, uh, they say poker is a game of decisions and everything. And I don't disagree with this decision here either. So I think it was, I think it was the right fold. And we talked about afterward that, I mean, it was kind of just a pure gamble at that point, right? And Definitely. I mean, you're, I mean, it's definitely a pure gamble because there's at no point where it's not going to be that far behind or ahead. I mean, with high-low, it could be very difficult, though, because if a flop, like, it was a great flop for me, but if it's a flop of three five nine, then I'm basically... You know, just dead. I mean, that's like, right. I have a, I have a chance. I mean, like, there, there's probably going to be a low out there, which is half the pot. And, I mean, I got nothing, so. You're hoping for King King. Yeah, <laughs> Turn a king yeah. For a king. yeah. Exactly. And hoping nobody has a set. Yeah. Uh, so, it was a, but I ended up walking out of that, uh, that session. I just made a profit of $80. It was a quick session, uh, which is fine. I mean, I just thought it was kind of interesting with the psychological aspect of trying to, especially when I am coming off of a little bit of a downswing of kind of wanting to see like a profitable session. Sometimes you just kind of need that psychologically. Uh, the next session was actually the one that we played together over at 52. Okay. Right. So I guess I had an interesting hand right before you arrived where I had um, pocket Queens, and I made it 20 to go, and I immediately got three bet. But it was a pretty small three bet, and it was only to, I think it was 50. So I know you said sometimes you like the call here, but we're we're pretty deep stacked. He um, maybe had like 500, 600 around there. So I put in the four bet to 175. Well, let me clarify. I think I like the call for me. But I think I like the four bet from you, because here's the thing: is I do believe you have some four bet bluffs, and I don't think I should be raising. Uh, I should be four betting if it's always going to be aces or kings, because yeah, someone could like just play that way. You actually will have a four bet bluff here and there, so I like it better from you than I do from me. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying, but um. The flop, so he calls, he snap calls, and like you said, just so happy not to see a four bet or a five bet from him. Right. But the flop comes ace of, wow, queen of spades, six of spades, three of hearts. 
So I oh, flopped. wow. You yeah. flopped the just complete nuts with not even a, much of a draw to other nuts. Um, Yeah, so I ended up checking it over to him. I was out of position here. Okay. And he checks it back. The turn is the ace of hearts. So I was thinking this could be great for me. So That's I, yeah. Amazing. I check it over to him. He just snap rips it all in. <laughs> yeah. And you snap call, obviously. Uh, yes. And, um, it holds. So that was. What do you end up having? Ace King. Ace King. I mean, that is, I mean, talk about perfectly played. I mean, your check on the flop was really, really good. Uh, I like it because when you have the board that tied up, I mean, I don't know what you're really hoping that other person has. I mean, maybe tens or something, but I mean, you're going to get, I mean, you're only, you're not going to get three streets of value there anyway. So you might as well check that. Yeah. I mean, so that was my, I mean, pretty much was my hand defining hand of that session. So, I mean, uh, um, that was basically it for me. I ended up booking a a small win. So that was nice. And then Uh, I had two defining hands. Like I just sit down. I think you were just finishing up one of those queens hand that queens hand right there, and uh, I get ace jack. I raise it pre, fairly loose table. Feel pretty good about it. I called a couple ways. Uh, flop comes jack ten eight. A little scary. I mean, it's like I mean, kind of a connected board, but I feel like top pair top kicker definitely worth going for value and protection on a uh, top pair, top kicker, and a draw-heavy board. I bet, get one call. Uh, bottom card is an eight. I mean, the uh, it pairs the eight. But we got to say, you did get called by kind of the table VIP, right? I guess we had a few table VIPs at that game, but... Yeah, definitely not. Definitely a recreational player. Yes. Uh, the eight's a little nervous, because, I mean, you know, now eight is ahead, but... There's a lot more queen jack, king jacks, uh, like pair plus draws, like 10-9, jack-9. So I like, I bet here, and I like this bet of going for value here. Uh, so we go, uh, I bet, and she calls. And the river is the worst river in the world. It's a seven, making a four-liner straight. And like I say, that's not people sometimes kind of overvalue what they people could have here. But I mean, a nine here makes perfect sense. It would have been open ended, called all the way down. Uh, Jack nine makes a lot of sense. You know, ten nine. I check it. She bets a hundred, which I was getting about one to five. I don't love my call here at the time. I thought maybe overvalued King Jack. I mean, it was it was a crying call. I don't know. I honestly don't know what I was thinking here. <laughs> uh, but I call, getting one to five, and I'm just you know, and she actually turns over eight nine, in which she turn trips. The river should have actually probably saved my uh, river bet. I mean, it was actually probably a pretty good river for me because it probably should have uh, saved that hundred dollars. But you know, you get hung, sometimes you get hung up on a hand, especially when you're getting really good pot odds. And, you know, overvalue it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happens to everyone. Uh, so I, I did not get stacked, though. I lost, like, a couple hundred. Uh, I, I go ahead and add on. And then uh, a couple, maybe, like, 30 minutes later, I get up pocket queens. 
I bet twenty, uh, and then a kind of I guess a fairly aggressive opponent makes it three bets it to eighty, and then there's a call behind. I have probably like three fifty and like I have like three thirty, three fifty in my stack. I just rip it all in, and you know I'm like, well, if they got aces, if he's got aces or kings, he's got them. Uh, and that player who three bet me folded, basically snap folded. So he had to be just like a three bet bluff. Uh, the lady who called him actually calls me, and which I thought was great because it, aces or kings, she would have ripped it before here. Uh, and she had tens and I hold, so, which was nice because it ended up being a profitable session of about 255 after time. So, man, when we both left there, cause we had to leave at the same time cause I was having car issues, man, what a, what a horrible game to leave, huh? I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it was the worst game to leave. I mean, it, it was, there were so many people just throwing money around and donking off. It was ridiculous. Uh, I hated leaving. I mean, time constraints <laughs> and responsibilities. Did not have a choice. But me and you were on the same mind that we just both hated leaving that game. Yeah, I mean, I've been in that situation before where, you know, I've told someone, well, I'm only going to go play for like an hour or two. Cut to, you know, 7 in the morning where it's a 10-hour session <laughs> because there's a player there who just, you just can't leave. I mean... Really, and I would say this. This is, again, like, I think the biggest hang-up in my game is not actually poker strategy, but probably table selection. It's staying when it's a great table, leaving when it's a bad table, and maybe sometimes asking for a table change when it's not a great table. That's probably one of my issues, too. I almost never ask for a table change, unless I want to go talk to somebody. But it's <laughs> not a reason to go table change. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it can be for that. But, I mean, you know, it's the, that being said, as far as, like, profitability, because, I mean, we study strategy all the time. But, you know, if you're at a player, if you're at a table full of nets, I mean, I'm not saying you can't win, but... By them just playing correctly pre-flop, even if they're not great post-flop, you're very limited. I think in Texas you probably can, if they're not great post-flop, win uh, because the way the rules are and the time fee versus in, if you're deep stacked enough. But, like, I mean, you're just not going to make a lot, and it's going to be a lot of kind of break-even-ish type stuff. You're going to have to hit big hands, and that's not really the way to play poker. It's just hoping to get lucky. I mean, you shouldn't be playing it like the lottery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I got, I agree with all that. I mean, like you said, just because the time, uh, would it be the time rake or time rental fee or whatever, just makes the game play a lot different whenever you hear uh, casino players talking about st uh, different strategies. Yeah, because uh, I was saying about, like, uh, I saw it on, I listened to part uh, Bart's podcast, I think, two weeks ago, and one of the questions was like, well, I play in a day game in a casino, and it's a lot of knit, and they're not, great uh they're not great post flop but how do i beat the game and bart's like if the rake's bad you can't he's like if you're playing post flop i mean even if they're bad post flop for the most part if it's not deep deep stacked enough and the rake is decent just by playing correctly po uh pre-flop you're they're really limiting their mistakes enough just to where i mean the rake is just going to kill you so it's a uh, now with our structure being so different and deep stacked enough you probably can do a profit 
but definitely not. You're limited based on your table selection. Yeah, I agree. Uh, was that basically the two noteworthy hands for you on that session? Yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh, I, I, it sucked. I was we were wa- walking out, and the uh, I thought I had forgot to add it on, and thought it was a pretty big wedding session, and then <laughs> forgot. And then I was looking at my tracker. I was like, "This can't be right." And I was like, "Oh God!" But I was I was glad to get you know the profit of like two fifty. So that was nice. <laughs> that happened to me before too, where I lose, and then I remember I also bought time. So I'm just piling on the loss. I have to go back in and add on another whatever I bought in time. Oh yeah, and that's a that is a horrid. So it was a so that was kind of that session. I mean, I, I, the most interesting part of the night, I think, was when you were walking out and you had Ubered over there, and I was like, "Well, I'll drive you back to your house," and we're walking back to my car, and Tyler just stops at the front door and's like, "I'm like, I'm gonna go get my car," and Tyler's like, "Okay." I was like, does this dude think I'm about to fucking valet for him? I'm like, what is going on here? And you'd forgotten that you Ubered and were about to go to your car. I was like, I was like, if you think I'm just going to go pick you up at the front, I will leave your ass. Well, because I always park on the other side of the parking lot. So you're like, it's super cold out here. Let's go. And I was like, good point. So I stopped. I was like, I need to go the other way. So I'm not going to walk that way to your car and then double back. So let me just stop here real quick. Yeah, but it looked like yeah. you just stopped at the valet, and you're like, okay, your ride is cold. I'll be inside. Come pick me up. I was like, I was like, I know this dude ain't doing this. Uh, like, please hurry. <laughs> please hurry. <laughs> I'm like, there better be a tip at the end of this shit. Um, so that was, but that was kind of that session. Uh, let me see. Has there been, let me see. I did have a good session. Let me see. Texas Avenue. Oh, I did have like a good a session where I just, uh, one following session where I went to Texas Avenue and wasn't anything great. It was literally what I was just talking about lottery. I mean, I was just hitting hands. Okay. I mean, I had pocket, had pocket tens, raised preflop, uh, the run out, uh, the flop was 10 Jack Jack in a three way <laughs> hand. He had King Jack. And I uh, had I flopped a boat, got it all in, and then that was good. And then it was just another couple hands where I ended up, you know, just having like being able to like get hands and make hands, and I had a profitable session of four sixty three. Nothing, nothing, no like crazy great reads or anything like that. But it was a it was nice to have a nice session though. Absolutely, I had so I played one more day. But it was two sessions. So here's kind of what happened. Okay. So I was at the first room, right? And this was basically, I mean, just the, the real noteworthy hand is, which I think you'll kind of find interesting, is I had Jack, eight of spades. And we're pretty shorthand. I mean, we were shorthand in the sense like five or six handed. I mean, so Jack, Jack, eight of spades is perfectly fine. I think I was in one of the blinds and someone opened up pre-flop to 15 or 20. I mean, I kind of need to know the sack side and all that, but I'm I'm sure it's fine. I mean, oh, yeah. Jack Eight of Spades, is, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, don't worry con- about sack connected side. and all that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Please, no details. So, um, it was about 500 effective with the villain. Um, so the flop comes, ten of diamonds, nine of hearts, three of spades, complete rainbow. But I'm open ended. Okay, that's a pretty flop. I mean, if you're playing Jack Eight of Spades, I mean, this is what you're hoping for, right? Exactly. So I'm kind of thinking like. He's probably going to bet relatively big. So I check it over to him. He bets 15. Okay. So I was like, well, this is 
you know, pretty good price to call. I call completely brick, no spade, no seven or queen. So I was like, well, this is going to probably conclude things. So he's going to, you know, bet maybe just over half half pot or something, right? Okay. He bets 15 again. I mean, giving great odds here to call. I mean, it's like it's Christmas, so I just call. <laughs> I mean, it's just a gift, right? I mean, if someone's going to, if you have a, such a draw and they're just going to let you draw at it for 15 bucks, I mean, might as well. Right. Um, I drill the queen on the river. Beautiful. No flushes, just jack eight, right? To all, you know, like you said, we have king jack, but that's, you know, that's the nut nuts, but I have second nuts. I check it over to him. He bets 15 again. I raise it to 200. He snap calls with 910 for flop two pair. Good God. What a weird way to play 910. Yeah, and like kind of the importance of bet sizing too for, I mean, from his point of view, right? I mean, I know he was a recreational player, right? Right. So, I mean, he's just there to have fun. He said he's going to lose this money and go to the club. Right is what okay. you know, so you can't be too harsh on them. So I mean, but just for our sake, really shows the importance of bet sizing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because well, and like we say, like if people complain, like well, it's draws, you're catching the draws, but there's a certain point where if you're getting the odds, then I mean, you should not be folding your draws with the right odds. I mean, that's I mean that's negative EV as it comes. If you're going to get draws and get the right odds for it, especially with the implied odds behind, with most the most of the times, uh, Texas is pretty deep stacked. I mean, it's, it's huge. Uh, so this was, and I would say bet sizing probably was one of the biggest leaks as far as recreational players goes, right? But it can, it can be both ways, right? Because didn't you say before you started studying, you were just betting like pot a ton of the time? Yeah, I, I tell you what, before, like, actually the vlogs really helped me out, like, watching, like, what what people are betting, because before, I would just, I would just pot it, like, every time. It's funny, you would pot it, and I would check, but I didn't want to rock the boat, and what I would say <laughs> in my head, don't rock the boat, we got a good hand here, I don't want anything crazy to happen, let me just scoop this six bucks. Yeah, <laughs> which, I will say, I think I was accidentally, maybe playing actually a little bit more correct, way too much like the variance off the charts when everything's <laughs> potted so it's kind of difficult but i mean in theory if people are going to call everything with their draws you actually do want to make them pay the maximum uh, so it i think it, like i was actually playing like accidentally correct in, at times but i mean i tell you what when you pot everything i mean you get your stack in very quickly <laughs> <laughs> Starting with a hundred big blinds, pot, pot. <laughs> yeah, then they're like, then you realize it's not a pot limit game, right? It's not pot limit Omaha. And at that point, you're probably like, what's Omaha? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, probably, at that point, it probably was actually. Uh, so it was a, uh, but yeah, I like the idea, the the bet sizing because lately we've been, especially with down bets and stuff, been experimenting with bet sizing, and I'd say it's just been super profitable. One of the more unprofitable things for me, just kind of on a side note, like I remember how we used to think that that min clicking it back would be really good and that no one would ever fold for a min click. People kind of find a fold. I mean, it just looks so strong. I mean, Agreed. it, it yeah. has not worked for me at all. I mean, I don't recommend it. I'd say just blast away. I mean, if you're going to raise, there's almost no point to min click. 
Uh, I agree. Well, because, well, I don't know. It, it's a weird, because here's the thing is I almost never fold for a Ming click. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, but if people are doing it, but I mean, I can see the point because how often is a Ming click ever going to be a bluff? Well, there's that, but then there's also the someone like me who's normally betting pretty big all of a sudden comes out with a min click. That's talk a good about point. red. That's flags. a pretty that's a pretty big tell there. Yeah, I mean when you're blasting to no end and all of a sudden you're like min raise, that does look super suspicious on your part. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's why it's just not working for me particular. But yeah, I've been horribly unprofitable with that, or just it just hasn't worked at all really. But I love this trying new things out as far as either down betting, over betting, I mean, the pot and stuff like that. It's been, I think, very profitable just experimenting with different sizes. I've had a lot of success with down down betting or C-bet down betting. Yeah. And like been... over C-betting, but also always down betting to kind of confuse the opponent to where when they raise, sometimes you just fold, sometimes you have the nuts and you re-raise. That, 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 had been, that has worked pretty well for me. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think one of those really made a lot, when I, on my trip to Vegas, when I was at the Aria, I did that, because we'd talked about it, and then someone re-raised me, thinking that the down bet was actually weakness, when actually it was just something I do on that flop texture, and that actually made a lot of money on, uh, over there, so it was, a uh, yeah, no, I'm really kind of liking, like, some of these, uh, and then I think, like, some of these, like, the bluffs, like making the the bluffs bigger on the river so they get through more often, but also doing the same thing when you have it. Like you're like I think you're very good at being balanced on these on your bluffs versus having it range. Oh, are they gonna say about the amount I bet? I was like, yes, I'm all in. Oh yeah, no, well that <laughs> balanced as well on that too. Yeah. yeah. Tyler's like it's everything all the time, so it's super balanced. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what our cards are at this point. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I've had that happen before. Where it doesn't matter what you have, we're gonna have to blast our way out of this because we got no outs. <laughs> so I've been there. Literally, just forgot what I had. I'm just well, I'm gonna have to figure this one out. Uh, <laughs> Tyler's like, there's there's two endings of the story. Some good, some bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay. So that game actually breaks. Um, after I played that uh, Jack Eight hand where I hit the queen on the river. Oh, okay, I gotcha. So I end up booking a, a, a about a half a buy-in win, right? Okay, that's not bad. So, um, and then I end up going to a poker room right across the street, right, it's right there. Okay. And I really, I had something. Normally, normally I would go home after booking a win like that. Like, I mean, it's nothing you're gonna write home about, but I mean, half a buy-in, it's pretty good. I didn't play that long. I mean, like, kind of like that psychological aspect that I was having with the Omaha. But I mean, well, I mean, let's go. We'll get back to there. But I mean, it's always interesting to me on like hours in versus like, like kind of taking that profit and going. But uh, that's yeah, I can see why you would normally go home. But so you make it over to the other poker room. But actually, that's something I had to do early in the morning, like six in the morning. So my plan was I needed to play until like five. Oh, and the okay. game broke at like one thirty. I got you. And it was kind of it was a weird time because I couldn't really go home, or if I went home, I'd probably actually fall asleep and then miss what you know what I had to do at six. Um, and I worked that overnight, so I didn't want to go to sleep, wake up, go to, to and then go to sleep to wake up to work. So okay. it put me in a really weird spot. I got you. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go play. I looked at Poker Atlas and I saw one room was running uh, 
round of eats. I was like, Ugh. and then the room right across the street had some games going. So I went there. Um, wasn't running exceptionally well. Started off losing quite a few hands. Showed some bluffs, and people were less than impressed. And um, I had two hands. I mean, they're so similar. I'm just gonna kind of put them, lump them together for you, basically. Okay. One of the hands I had jack nine. The other one I had jack ten. Same exact thing happened though. They were about an hour apart though. Okay. Um, on one of them, I flopped top pair with the nine, and I ended up putting in a raise on the turn and got called. But the end result of both these hands were was the board was eight nine jack ten. So four liner to a straight, any queen, any seven, and also the flush draws were there. One time I had raised the turn and he donk led, and I folded. Okay. Okay. The next time I just, I don't know, you just kind of hit a threshold where, I mean, you're just losing and losing. And then I called and he had a seven offsuit for the bottom end of the straight. So I lost that hand, right? I can understand this because in, like in a vacuum, it sounds like a bad call. But this is a lot like when I that I was getting three bet all the time at Paramount that one session. And you're just like, it, they can't have it every time. And it's to the exact same player. Oh, it's the really? same guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, now you're just wondering, is he good enough that he's just, like, bluffing these kind of scary boards for hands that you'd have here, maybe? Yeah. I mean, like I say, in a vacuum, the, it sounds like a bad call, but, I mean, you, I, we've all been there. We, we've kind of leveled ourselves into making a call like this. Yeah. So, I mean, and then I add on, I get pocket aces, I make it 20 preflop, everyone folds, so I'm pumped about that. That's super nice. So I'm like, well, this is great. So I, and then I go through a period where I'm playing a lot of hands because we're like four or five handed and I'm just taking down the blinds every time. I told him, I was like, this is going to take forever for me to hit a thousand dollars, taking it down four bucks at a time. <laughs> is what I told the table. I was like, <laughs> and I said, don't, don't think I'm folding the big blind either. I'm not backtracking. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of defending out of this big blind. Oh. <laughs> um, but this is basically the hand that defines the session and the week. Um, so I just add on, um, had that ace's hand, then about 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, I get pocket deuces in the big blind, uh, on the button. Someone opens up to 25. Next guy to my right calls. I call three ways to the flop. The flop comes 7-7 seven, seven deuce with a flush draw. Beautiful okay. flop. Original uh, Razor checks. The guy to my right leads out for like 55. I only call. Don't want to. I'm thinking I have a lot of this board tied up right now. Very much so. Um, or maybe not tied up, but just what could they have to call a raise kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, if you. Well, because if you raise this flop, I mean, especially with you, like actually having a fairly loose image, I mean, you might be losing out on flush draws who might just not feel like it's worth it with a paired board you might be losing out on like pocket pairs like sixes eights nines or jack or something like that uh i like this call here i mean you're not scared of anything you're hoping a flush comes in um so i call on the next guy calls the original razor calls okay the turn is the nine of diamonds so the front door flush comes in okay good card original razor checks the next guy bets like 80 85 I still only call the original Razor calls as well. So three ways. The river is the eight of spades. 
So the board is seven, seven, eight, nine, deuce, deuce, right? Right. Um, the original razor checks. The guy who's been betting the whole way down. I think you said deuce, deuce there. Deuce. Was... Oh, sorry. I did. I sure did. Seven, seven, eight, nine, deuce. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Good catch. Um. Yeah, right, that's the board I needed. <laughs> right, that's, but no. Um, so he bets like 130 or something, but he only has like 300 behind. Okay. So I grabbed just a stack of blue, uh, green chips with some blacks on top, actually. So and I just stick it out there thinking that the guy who called originally and just been calling is just going to fold anyway. Okay. And I'm putting him in effectively all in kind of thing, right? Okay. I do that... The original razor starts tanking. And I know this player. I know when this tank happens, I'm in big trouble. We just got, you know, it was a ruse the whole time. I thought I was trapping. Not the case. I already knew kind of thing. Right. He puts me all in. The guy who bet the 130, whatever, he folds. I only have like two or 300 bucks behind now. I call. He has seven, eight of hearts. For flop trips, river bigger boat. Oof, that's nasty. Yeah, I mean, like you, I mean, I hate how I made it seven hundred, but at the same point, if I make it like three or four, well, I'm definitely making it like four. And he raises to me all in to a thousand. Am I ever folding? I don't think the result changes. I don't really like how I played that hand, though. I mean, I was thinking maybe like. No, don't get me wrong. I think the way this plays out, I just no matter what you do, I just feel like it's, it's going to end up the same. I mean, if it's three handed, it's boat over boat. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking maybe the turn. Did you think like do you think of taking raising the turn bet? I thought about, it, but I thought the guy on my right was just going to pay off, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I was. You know what they say? Like you're laying the what do they call it? like putting the straw down, laying the trap, and then boom, I get hit, but. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a, I don't know. I mean, if someone hits, you know, if you've got someone down to one, three, uh, four outs on the river, I mean, and they hit it, it just kind of is what it is there. Yeah, so, but. Uh, I mean, you definitely hate the re-raise on the river, but at that point you're just, I mean, like you say, like, okay, you make it less, you make it less. I mean, and he jams all in. I mean, are you really folding a boat here? For these odds, I don't know. I mean, it's. I mean, you could say like, well, what else could he have? But I don't know. That's a pretty tough fold. I mean, folding a boat there with a straight out there, a flush out there. I. Uh, uh, I just think it plays itself. Yeah, and I mean that right there. I just said goodbye to my money and ran out the door. <laughs> I mean, we've all. We've. I mean, if you've played poker, you've done that before. <laughs> I mean, that was basically, I mean, not the happiest note or conclusion of the week to go out on. Do you have anything to say or not even? Well, I'm glad to be out of my downswing. <laughs> I mean, I will say that. <laughs> I, I was tired of it. I don't like being the losing player on this podcast. <laughs> it sucks when I have to t- report all my losses every week. And Tyler's like, another gigantic win. <laughs> I like the switch. <laughs> there you go. Well, we're actually going to go play poker here in a little bit. 
I thought there was a 5-5 game running, but it does not appear the game happened. That somehow, I guess they called the players. I mean, they have 13 people on the list. What is going on? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, they called them, and then somehow the game didn't happen. Oh, well, we'll uh, see. Hopefully we have some, at least get some interesting hands for next week's podcast. <laughs> Definitely. I guess that'll conclude this week of the of the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.